Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mish Mash. This is Mish Hancock, where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of the world and find out more about them. Today, my guest is Doug Lindsay. He is an innovator. He's a keynote speaker who speaks about combining purpose and balance in life. He's designed seminars on the skill it takes to make unlikely things happen and on storytelling for empathy. And there is quite another story that we will talk about in just a little bit. But yeah. Doug, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Mish. Well, I'm excited I, to be here. So I have to I have to say yeah. how we met. The first time I met you, yeah. so it's a TEDx, TEDx event, TEDx Gateway Arch. Yes. You came into the green room mm-hmm. and we're like, I am hungry. <laughs> yeah. And we had quite the spread there yeah. for the speakers. We're like, please eat. Having no idea that it was quite a bit later, like maybe a year later, that you would share this amazing story with me, and I'm like, holy heck! It <laughs> amazes me. Yeah. This just amazes me. I want I, you got to tell the story. Tell Certainly. it. Certainly. Well, first off, yeah, I ended up in, I ended up in the green room because your mom and your daughter <laughs> brought me back. Oh, they did. They oh, had food so or a sandwich, and I had this look in my eye when I said, like, "Are there any more of those?" And, and they were like. <laughs> No, but come with us, young man, you know, and we'll see <laughs> we, if we can't we fix you up We will take you, you under something. our wing and feed yeah. you. Yeah, and oh. the, the green room was literally green Yeah, it was. Then. Yeah, well, Shel- yeah, it the was, Sheldon, it is exactly. actually green. And I was at a concert there last weekend because they had a Beatles tribute band, and it was amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. Were they? What are they called? They were called the Mercy Beatles, like the Gramercy sound kind ah. of. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was cool. Very fun. Yeah, so it's the first and time. And you were I've like, I know what it looks conference. like back there. Yeah. I know what it's what what's going on. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm like, I bet they got sandwiches. <laughs> that's what they do in the green rooms. <laughs> yeah. So when I met you, I was just collecting name tags and name tag lanyards for, for TEDx <laughs> Gateway so Arch. And then but but before that I had a very interesting story. And it's a lot about what I'm I'm doing these days too. Right. So, so the sort of story stretches from the past and, and into the present, and I'm sort of sharing lessons about it. Because uh, when I was in college and I was 21, I got sick. And they said it was mono, and everybody, you know, when you get mono, you just have to lay around and rest. Right. But things didn't get better. They eventually got worse. So after months, it became pretty clear to me that it wasn't just mono. And, you know, I got sicker than I was. So if you if you imagine having mono and then your life gets worse than that, that's that's not good. Yeah. And Scary. I realized that I probably had what my mom had cuz my mom had been sick for my whole life. And I had taken a job doing biochemistry research at KU to try and figure out what was wrong with her. Not that that would have given me the answer, but it would have started me learning what I needed to know to tackle her case. Because the doctors had, she'd seen doctors for decades and they just struck out. I'll be darned. So then I get sick and instead of getting better, I get worse. And I realize I probably have the same thing. And so I go from basically being a normal college kid, roughly at 21, to being homebound and laying 22 hours a day. If I'm up or busy, the room spins for up to two hours. If I eat the wrong meal, my heart will pound and race. You could put a piece of loose leaf on my chest and watch it flutter because my heart was beating that strongly. Oh my gosh. And so it was like it was it was it was just a calamity. And if I was upright I would get lightheaded and and you know you're sort of laying on the ground so exhausted that you're wishing there was somewhere lower than the floor. So you could, you know, just 
try and rest. And so, and it, and, yeah. and I think, and I'm going to tell you what I was thinking about this morning before talking to you, I thought, yeah. you know, you hear people say you should take, you know, your health into your own hands. Like yeah. you're, you're ultimately responsible for your health in many ways. And you really yeah. took that to the extreme level. Yeah. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So I went and saw, I, I just did the rounds of doctors and they came up with nothing. And I had a choice to continue that path or what I chose to do was sort of tackle my problem like a scientist and sort of try and take control of the whole of my case. And what that meant, even though I didn't define it that way at the time, what that meant was I was going to assume all the rights of a collaborator with these physicians and all the responsibilities, which is not a usual patient situation. No. But there was no other avenue. And one thing I learned through observation is that doctors don't do homework on individual patients. So hmm. doctors have continuing medical education. They go to conferences. They learn about a lot of things. Some even do research with research studies and some run across. But your doctor doesn't sit down and Google what's up with you. Exactly. You know, if, you, if they... If they so yeah, I can I and yeah. and I and from what I understand, doctors aren't too yeah. keen on you showing up with all the pages you just printed up from your Google search. They, there, there is. I, I have a friend who's a doctor who has a cup that says your Google search is not equivalent <laughs> to my medical degree, <laughs> and so I think she drinks coffee out of it or something. I got gotcha. you. know, I got gotcha. So and th it also goes the other way. It, it, memories are not infallible. I mean, if I if I try and remember the five most important chemical properties of, uh, you know, of some drug, I might remember four of them, but maybe, right. the, you know, so in a sense, it can also go the other way where someone's medical background isn't necessarily equivalent to uh, an unerring categorical understanding of every aspect of a disease. So you, you actually did research. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, is there a name for this? Uh... Well, kind of. So it, <laughs> it could disease? be called beta beta adrenergic hyperdynamic circulatory state, which is not a very good name. No. But somewhere along the way, me and the director of clinical research began jokingly referring to it as Lindsay syndrome. Well, there you go. Which is my last name. Well, there you go. So that's not official, but that's the best scenario. That's the best answer we have right now. Yeah, because I can't say that word. No, exactly. And and can I one, just note yeah. for the audience out there that he said that without reading anything? It just, yeah. it just rolled off his tongue. <laughs> yeah, they're all in there. All <laughs> have the, you been like, were you, you could do a rap song with all it. The, all the largest <laughs> words anyone's never wanted to hear are all in there. So. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, so I, I start trying to figure out what's wrong and I, and I read medical texts and, and physiology texts and pharmacology and stuff. And I run across this idea. It's a simple sentence. And it basically said the symptoms of too much or too little thyroid can look a lot like the symptoms of too much or too little adrenaline. Uh -huh. I've sort of simplified it and left right. out all the you know $10 words. But that was an interesting idea because my adrenaline lasts about 90 seconds in the blood. You know, a deer jumps in front of your car, you slam on the brakes, your heart pounds. Two minutes later, you remember the deer, but your body's not in the same place it exactly. was. Exactly, right. So with the rapid change in my symptoms, but they were consistent with something like a thyroid problem, 
now I had something. So I went to, I wrote something up and did the best research I could. And I went into doctors and I said, I, I believe there's a class of sympathetic nervous system disorders, this body, the body's adrenaline system. Right. And I think that they would create symptoms like this. And they said, problems like you described don't exist. Wow. And that's a tough one because think of it, this was the stalemate. As a doctor, um, as a doctor, they practice by experience. Right. So if he hasn't treated it, none of his friends have treated it or heard of it, the chances that there's a class of disorders is probably pretty rare. Exactly. But as a scientist, think of the idea of saying, um, you you have you have a car and nothing can go wrong with the headlights. So if there's a system, surely something can go wrong with it. So that's where we had a stalemate. And you overcame it. And we're going to talk about that in just a bit right after this break. Yeah. Get raw with chaos on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. at studiocradio.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mish, and we are talking to Doug Lindsay. And you are going to tell us what yeah. did you find? I mean, what did so, you find out? What was the what was the thing? This is the thing. Yeah. What did you do to truly take control of your health? So, yeah, where we left us, I was sort of I had come up with an idea, and people were telling me that it it didn't exist. And once I and I said to them, but it could. And once I was able to get a computer, I was able to show that problems like I described did exist and did create the kinds of symptoms that I described and that I had. So I went and I presented a paper at an international medical conference outlining a treatment for my own disorder. And the poster before me was from the Mayo Clinic and the poster after me was from Japan, you know, from Tokyo. So and there I am in a reclining wheelchair in the middle outlining a proposed treatment for my own condition. And it took another, and I met all the doctors in the field and, and sort of, I came home empty-handed, I thought, but it took another 18 months and I got to work with someone. Oh, wow. And he was at the University of Alabama and he was just an amazing guy. And he'd grown up in Chile and he spent half the year there and half the year in Alabama. And Interesting. We, yeah. And he, <laughs> he just, he just, he, we would laugh at everything, you know, and he just had the warmest you know, the the warmest demeanor, but he was very sharp. And he thought I might have an adrenaline tumor, a small non-cancerous growth, usually on the adrenal gland, that just releases adrenaline in constantly. an unregulated manner. Yeah, just, yeah, just. But interesting that it releases it constantly, but you're so tired because you think of adrenaline right. as giving you that extra energy, but it, but it in, did. Your body adjusts. So oh, you, if, if your interesting. hormones are so powerful that they're usually very closely regulated. And if they're not, it's almost like you can go to a rock concert and come out. Loud noises are still too loud. Soft noises, now we can't hear them because our sort of ears have had said. Right. So you can be in a situation where you have too much of something and you end up with symptoms consistent with too little of it because your body's adjusting. Kind of like, AD, like they say ADHD, they give kids stimulants, which yeah. you think is the last thing they need, but yeah. it actually calms them down. Yeah. Interesting. So sometimes that's called paradoxical medicine where it seems like something should have effect one and it has a different one. Right. And, that, and we see that a lot. But um, so in the end, we looked for the adrenaline tumor and we didn't find one. And I was at a loss and he was too. Because I lived for more than a year with the idea that there was something the size of a marble in my body. And if we pulled it, I'd no longer be homebound right. and bedbound and stuff. 
So you try and keep your hopes in check, but that's not that's, easy. Yeah, no. For a year. So I was at a loss, but I did what I do, and I went back and looked some more. And I found a problem that, I found a series of possible problems that could act like an adrenaline tumor, but wouldn't have been detected by the tests we did. So we did some more tests. It took another year to figure out how do you image something that's almost never been seen. So this condition was so rare that we've had 44 presidents and mm -hmm. worldwide I could only find 32 cases of this disorder. So you're more likely to be elected president than to have this disorder. Wow. So we looked, my doctor called, my local doctor called and he said, I'm sorry, we didn't find anything. And then I got the report myself and I read it and it said, may be consistent with adrenal medullary hyperplasia, this weird problem. Uh huh. So I went from no to maybe and I mailed it to Alabama and Dr. Coughlin and the team down there looked at it and called and said, yes, we think we found it. So the same scan, you know, like a, a, we, we took a no to a maybe to a yes with the same data just by- Interesting. Just by double checking. So now the question was, what do you do? And the answer was you operate and there was no surgery that existed to do it, that do it well. The only surgery would give me another disease. And if you're a doctor and you start with the premise of do no harm, the idea of giving me a new disease in the hopes that it will improve my other one to the point that I'm better off, yeah. that's hard. Yeah, that's not a... I didn't want a new disease either. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm so used to this one. Why yeah, should I have and, another one? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd either get none or double. Or, so I thought I would come up with a way to do the surgery that didn't give me a new disease. And it took me two and a half years but I was eventually able to prove that this surgery, which took out the middle of the adrenal gland and was supposed to be impossible, was possible in rats. And then I could show that it was possible in cats. And then I found that it had been done in dogs, but no one could explain how the heck they did it. It was done in 1923. Oh, I'll be darned. And so It's like a lost art. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like we don't know how they laid those tiles. The veterinarians anymore. We don't know used. How they, yeah, so, so you had was, to translate it from... So I had to find this article from 1923, which is the year before The Great Gatsby came out. And we turned that into a modern human surgery. And I got to bet my life on the operating table that it would help me. And one of the neatest facets of all this thing that doesn't relate to me is that the Nobel Prize winner who had invented that surgery in dogs, yeah, he trained the man who trained Dr. Coughlin. Oh, get because out. Because he was from Argentina, which is next to Chile. So Dr. Coughlin knew me and knew the man who 80 years earlier developed the surgery that would get a chance to save my life. Okay, if that's not divine. It was beautiful. <laughs> and, and so he was at home and retired at this point. And I call him and I say, you know, and he goes, Douglas, it's wonderful <laughs> to hear from you. I, you know, Bernardo Husse, the, the Nobel Prize winner, he, he, Nobel Prize winner, he trained my mentor. And you're like... Uh, oh my gosh. So this full circle. I mean, yeah. they had to be so amazing for you, but also for him. It was that something that he had done that long ago was now going to, to yeah. help. Yeah. And is this something that has helped other people now? So the, or when the first surgery was at Alabama and the second surgery was here at Wash U, and it's also applicable to a rare tumor syndrome, and I understand they've used it on other patients with that. So I always knew that it had a specific second use beyond right. my family. Right. Uh, but that's not a justification to do a weird surgery on me that it will help other people. It had to be a good idea for me too. And it took me from wheelchair to walking. And it's been a long road, but 
I've sort of largely recovered. Um, you know, I'm, I've written a book and I'm becoming a speaker. And, and one of the other things is that I have this amazing skill set to innovate and solve problems in unique, sort of clever ways. Exactly. Well, and, and, and just to empower people. Yeah. Because so many times something happens with us and we feel like we have no power over it, no control over it when really, you know, take some time. And, yeah. and, and I mean, this is, it's such an amazing story. I, and, and, and how resilient you've become. Yeah. That really makes you resilient when it's like, this did not work. And now you yeah. have to wait another year until you get that one little bit of hope and then another year. And, you know, it's Two and just, a half years to prove a surgery uh, that was, you know, like to take something that was believed impossible and prove it wasn't. Two and a half years isn't that long unless you're in a hospital bed the whole time. Exactly. And so going, the, <laughs> gee, I wish my bed was really tiny and little, like, you know, on the floor so I could just roll around, you know. And so, oh, gosh. So in the end, it took 14 years I'll be for darn. me to from the time I got sick until the time I sort of had, you know, reined this in and, and could move on. Uh, well, okay. So my thought yeah. is that, you know, and thank you yeah. for sharing that story. And my thought is that when we come back yeah, with yeah. an innovative mind, uh-huh. you can probably handle some of my crazy questions. I, I hope so. Show up yeah, with. <laughs> now that I've set the bar high. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we will be right back with Doug Lindsay. Today's show is sponsored by Elizabeth Smith with Remax Results, Liz Sells STL. Her background is in service, so her goal is to serve others and ease you through the big process of buying or selling a home. You can find Liz at 314-807-3659. And we're back. This is Mish Hancock talking to Doug Lindsay, who really just shared an amazing story. And I mean, you know, I... I, as just being your friend, I'm so proud to know you and to know this person that's done this amazing work. And and I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Thank you. It's going to yeah. be awesome. And we get to do TEDx together. So yeah. yay us. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, neat. Mr. Innovative Mind, Uh-oh. sir. Uh-huh. I have questions for you. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. Questions. My first question for you is- Got if, my eyes closed. I'm, I'm visioning, envisioning or, okay, or something. Okay, get out that I'll most innovative part to. of you. Uh-huh. This is kind of fun. All right. So yeah, let's yeah. say you have your own country. I have my own country. You have to design the flag. I have to design. Okay. What What would be on your flag? What symbols would you have on your flag? Wow. That would be awesome. I know. Wouldn't it be fun? Like one of my dreams is to stand there and have them play the national anthem like in the Olympics. Like Ooh. that was sort of the idea of what it looked like to have finished the race. Got ya. And I like blue and it turns out I like turquoise. I don't know what to say. I keep buying crap that's turquoise. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it'll stick out. We have like, I have a turquoise backpack. And I'm like, oh, if I go skiing or something, which I don't ski, there'll be like 10 black backpacks and I'll see mine and I'll know that I didn't forget it. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine. Why'd you paint a handrail in front of your house turquoise? Oh, uh, uh, whatever, man. <laughs> turquoise. So turquoise is on there and, and blue. And then I'm going to put some sliver of orange <laughs> and, and we're gonna go with because it's a, it's a good color that, that works with those. It does. And, and we're gonna go with, I think we're gonna go with tradition. We're gonna go with an eagle in the middle. Ah. And, you know, maybe something, some foliage at the at the base there. <laughs> you know, below the eagle. Like you do, I you like know. it. Yeah. Is it is the eagle gonna have things in its claws like 
you know, do you know how the, the, yeah, the, like yeah. he's got like wheat the, or what do we call those? Arrows. Are those talons? I don't yeah. think they're claws, are they? They're, yeah, they're talons, I think. <laughs> that sounds good. I think, I think he's just winging it, man. I think he's, you know. <laughs> winging it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, I like your flag. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fabulous flag. Yeah. Well, okay. So maybe so, a diagonal right down the middle with the, the blue and the turquoise and then the eagle's orange. I, Bang. Ooh. I, yeah. Okay, let's just high five on that. Oh, okay. this high five. Some one of those. High All right. Five, okay, yeah. cool. We went. We, you couldn't hear that, but here we'll <laughs> Maybe. We well, right. Sam will put sound effects yeah, exactly. in later. <laughs> All right. So let's let's keep with the eagle theme. Sure. I kind of like the idea of the eagle. Yeah. All right. So if you were an eagle, what do eagle. you think your biggest pet peeve would be? <laughs> oh man. I mean, how about having this great head of white feathers and everybody calls you bald? You know? like, I love it. You're, like you're looking sharp. I'm not bald. What a good looking eagle. You know? I just got my feathers slicked yeah, back. Like, like, I'm just, no, I'm just far away. I mean, deal with it. You know, like I'm not short because I'm far away. You know, like you don't be, don't be besmirching over here. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Oh my gosh, see, I love this. This is just great. I love it. Yeah, perfect. I mean, that's yeah. A bald eagle that's not bald. Yeah, you could do that. That would be a pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the another other one is so I was in I was in Colorado. This is years and years before I got sick. I was up there with my roommate on spring break. We were going fly fishing in the mountains, and there's something in the road, and there's all these crows. You're on a highway. You haven't seen anything but mountains forever. You really want to scare these crows away, you know. So you, you, so you're slowing down <laughs> a little in case it's like a deer or something you can't hit. But you kind of want to make these crows sweat. And the crows scatter, and there's a stinking bald eagle, and he's got to take off, and it's not as easy. So I'm slowing down, you know, so I right. didn't hit him, but I was like, God, that would have been terrible. No, you would have felt terrible. I know. I feel that way just about, I mean, I was coming home the other night, and I live on a lake, so we yeah. see lots of critters. But I swear to you, because spring feels like it has sprung, yeah. and uh, and it was like possum, rabbits, <laughs> squirrels. They were like all at the same time trying to come up in front of my car. I'm like, yeah. guys, really? Yeah. Get back to your like, places. Like Snow White or whichever one where they all come out to talk, and you're like, I'm driving. <laughs> like, has an evolution caught up with them at some point yeah. that they know what the car thing's all about? I don't think so. I don't think. My friend is in Costa Rica right now, and he's working with sea turtle eggs because for 5,000 years— the full moon was the brightest thing at night. So the sea turtles walk to the light, which gets them to the water. But now they're street lights from the city. And so the sea turtles are walking away from the ocean. So he's actually going to be there picking them up and sending them back the other oh way. Oh, my gosh. And the, and the island has built blockers and reflectors and stuff to dim, to dim those lights so that the sea turtles don't get tricked. It's amazing what we don't know, yeah. what we're doing. I mean, the, the, there's a— yeah, and you would never a, guess. There's a bioluminescent bay in Vieques, which okay. is in Puerto Rico. And um, and that, like the first time we went, just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But because of light pollution, yeah. it's not as brilliant as it used to be. And it's so sad. It's like, yeah. get, get the, turn off the lights yeah. so I can see the little dinoflagellites running around. You know, it's just amazing what... Yeah, we I don't got out of think my about. car and I saw both stars on my way in, and I thought, "What a beautiful night!" You know, in St. Louis. <laughs> <It was laughs> see, like, I live where, where I live. You actually see stars yeah. still. It's kind of cool. It's like yeah. you know, people come to my house. They're like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "Yes, it still exists." There's a Milky Way. Do you see it? Yeah. All right, I have one more question for you. Okay. All right, so we're gonna. I'm gonna think back. Yes. To dinosaurs. Okay. Wow. All I right. loved dinosaurs. So let's say that some surprising evidence came forth about dinosaurs. Okay. What What do you want it to be? 
Like what what would just surprise the heck out of everybody? And it could be totally off the wall craziness. Yeah. Just what? Well, the first one is if you ever watch a goose walk, it looks so much like a dinosaur. True. Holy cow. So we know they're related to birds. Right. But I think it would be interesting. I just, it came into my head as a flash that the T-Rex could read and write. <laughs> With his little He's tiny got the arms. Little arms. Yeah, which I mean, he can write. You know, it's not like, you know, doing pull-ups or something else. I mean, he could, you know, arguably among the possibilities, he could hold something. And so, like, there'd be like cave art, but it was drawn by really the drawn by t- Rex. Oh my gosh, right. that's hilarious. And who knows what it would be because we don't know if he's good enough to get, you know, what he wants on the wall. But you're sort of like, you know, oh, why are these gosh. 65 million years older than? Other cave paintings. And then we could say like that T-Rex, he actually invented infographs because infographics, right? Because that's like the first infographics, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like like five (laughs) T-Rexes. Yeah, like the the stickers on the back of the car or something. Here's who lives here and and here's how, yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, and then the T-Rex, because then, you know, really, that's why they have like, like that he could be like, look, and then I attacked this guy. Yeah. And he's like running after the guy. Yeah. I attacked this caveman. <laughs> yeah. And he was this big, like like when you catch a fish and it's bigger. And he's like, the guy was eight feet tall. And you know, see, was- I have to wonder if if like dinosaurs are actually green. Because we it's not like we found the skin. Like we could find yeah. they were all pink and purple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barney's out there. I don't know who's in the costume. <laughs> Barney scares me. <laughs> yeah. He 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 yeah. He, uh, yeah, hopefully they drew, you know, they they would be disappointed. They, the T-Rex would write a bad review of Barney. He'd be like, really? I, I don't talk like that. And yeah, I can exactly. read it. I don't talk like that. Exactly. I don't talk that's like that. That's not how my voice sounds right. at all. Exactly. Yeah. First with the eagle, now with this. Leave me alone, man. Oh, Doug, this has been so much fun. I so appreciate you coming in today. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. And uh, and we we as an audience will continue to watch as you thank do you. amazing things. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Very cool. Well, awesome. thank you all. You've been listening to Mishmash. Thank you for spending time with us today. This episode is sponsored by Once Upon an Occasion, talent at its best to entertain your guests. Invite your favorite character or have vocalists attend your next event. Check them out at team.ouao at gmail.com or teamouao.wix.com. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. for Sexy Thoughts with Lindsay Walden.